I'm here to tell the world I'm from Ramona Park. Diving in the deep water like I know the sharks. Climbing in the king daughter, I deserve the crown. They wasn't fucking with your boy, but they heard me now. Me and white boy Mac came to take him back. Way back, back when people used to learn from rap. I'm here to show you motherfuckers what I learned from Pac Slim. Couple rounds in a clip down for burning that. Beats I murdered that. Beef I murdered that. He heard the shooter yelling nerd before we heard the Mac. What's happening, y'all? It's your boy, Young Nezzy, back in the booth, here to give you some of that good, good, that content y'all love. Week one is in the books, officially. I know it's been a minute since I talked to y'all last. I mean, we got a Thursday night game already. It's been a week. Didn't get a chance to give you guys my thoughts on waiver wires and and things such as that. That kind of took a lot out of me. I had uh, some other extraneous things happening, um, you know, let alone just kind of looking at the waiver from my own perspective. I wasn't able to put that into a good episode where I could fairly evaluate that and say it in so few words or so many words. Uh, So... Yeah, I kind of let you guys hang in there. So, hopefully you did okay. Um, I did okay. I have a couple leagues where waivers are uh, fab. So, the auction. I have one league where it's inverse of the standings. I hate that, but I can just put in a claim without having to worry about my position, which is okay. And then I have one where it's just your typical rolling waivers where you put in a claim, you reverse. So last week, man, uh, I'm going to talk about the positions from quarterback to running back to wide out, tight end. Going to do a little segment on those positions. We'll look at the game tonight as well. The Ravens at the Bengals. The Bengals are home dogs in this one, so that's interesting. And then I'm going to talk about Daily Fantasy too. Uh... I'm just talking about DraftKings in this because I'm not going to talk about the other one. I'm not as successful in the other one, and I want a sponsorship, so I want DraftKings to sponsor me. So we're just going to talk about DraftKings, and I'm going to talk about strategies and how I pick strategies, and it's a strategy that's worked for me, and things to consider whenever you're picking your daily fantasy team. So yeah, that's all coming your way. Let's start with last week I liked what we saw last week last week was great for people who spend too much time looking at this stuff like the experts and myself included I don't consider myself an expert so I'm not going to say that but everybody was who we really thought they were for the most part and guys who weren't who we thought they were I didn't own a lot of those guys except for one exception is Amari Cooper, but I'll get into the guys who didn't have as great of performances as we, you know, would have liked to have seen and, and all that coming up soon, but um, it was a nice week one. There were a few injuries, unfortunately, like every week and like every opening week. We lost Delaney Walker for the year. That was really devastating. We lost uh, a couple other players as well, not for the year, thankfully, but uh Doug Baldwin out for a few weeks. That's a bummer on his opposite knee, not the knee that he said wasn't 100%. 
It was the other knee. That stinks. We lost Leonard Fournette in the middle of week one as well. With a hamstring injury. I've heard so many different reports as far as availability goes. Regardless, I didn't touch TJ Yeldon in any league. He was a very, very hot ad. If I owned Leonard Fournette, then I obviously would throw in everything I had to get TJ Yeldon, but I had a league where somebody put 25% of their budget to get him. That's a little extreme for me. And now we have some other injury reports popping up after the fact. Like, Ted Ginn is now questionable. David Johnson was questionable with a back, but he practiced today. Rex Burkhead is now questionable. He's in the concussion protocol. Aaron Rodgers, of course, uh, hurt his knee to Sunday night, which was an unbelievable performance. They had that man yopped up. In, in that post-game interview, that was hilarious. Everyone's seen that. Money! That's what he said. Um, but I have some concerns about that injury. Not long-term, but for the next two weeks, I'm definitely concerned. They showed a video of Aaron Rodgers tying his shoe, and he could not bend that left knee that he plants on to throw. And you are probably thinking, if you're trying to rationalize this, you say, okay, Aaron Rodgers was carted off, that's bad, but he came back and played, so he's obviously going to be good, right? That's really not the case. No, I'm not a doctor. However, when you have an injury, and it's fresh, and you can play through it, it doesn't feel quite as bad. Your adrenaline is high, you can play through that for the moment. That next day, I guarantee you that knee... I mean, he could barely bend it during the game. Could only imagine the soreness that he felt after. And, I mean, there's a reason why he's not practicing right now. So, that's something to monitor. But otherwise, uh, everyone really had... There were obviously some explosions from people we didn't expect. Which jumped their... Their transactions, their ads. I mean, we saw a percentage of ownership climb up like crazy for certain guys. But, you know, let's just talk about the week, man. So, rather than focus on every single game that happened, everyone knows how your own fantasy players did. And I'm sure you guys watched the NFL and saw every week, too. So, you're familiar with how players did. But let's do a little segment, you know, a little buy or sell, real or pretender, worried, not worried, something not or nothing type of type of deal. So let's let's do something like that. So for let's start with a quarterback. So Thursday night we had Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic go absolute bonkers on the Saints. Just lit them up. Absolutely crazy. I I did not see that coming at all. It's not that Fitz has always been bad. I mean, he's had good he's been a good quarterback before here and there and he had a pretty good statistical season with the Jets a few years ago whenever it was a Nunwa and Eric Decker and and Brandon Marshall. I just I just didn't see this coming at all. 
the Saints just were asleep. Uh, you know, I we the, the Saints had a very good defensive year last season, but if you recall, they started off slow, and they looked like a typical Saints defense at the beginning of last season. Then they turned it up. We didn't know if we could trust it. Turns out we could have trusted it. I don't know that the Saints defense turns it around this week against the Browns. There's a lot of there's a few teams where we didn't get a true look at them, either because they played so abnormally bad that we don't know if that's really them, or at least I don't think that was really them for a certain amount of teams. I'm gonna take the Saints as one of those teams. And we had some bad weather. So there's two things there. One, I don't think the Saints are truly that bad on defense, but it might not get better next week. And two, the Browns played in really piss-poor weather against the Steelers. So we don't know what's going on with that offense. And I don't think that offense is in disarray. I just think the weather was truly that bad that Terod Taylor just could not be that good. Also, Josh Gordon didn't see that many targets. Cleveland is a huge underdog on the road, I understand, but... I look at that line, it's 9 now, plus 9, and I, and I, and I want to hit that. I want to take those points. So back to Ryan Fitzpatrick, who was the point of what I was trying to talk about. That performance was totally something. Long term, it's going to be nothing. You know, all of what we do in fantasy football is speculation, and luck is involved, and, you know, you have to have a sense of vanity and, you know, feeling like, you, you know, whenever you make these predictions and these calls. I truly can't tell you whether or not Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be there when Jameis Winston comes back because he played that good. You know, and if if they win next week the Bucks do against the Eagles and Ryan Fitzpatrick and it's not because you know and Ryan Fitzpatrick didn't put him in jeopardy of losing that game how can you how can you not leave him in there you know what is what do you owe Jameis Winston the reason I think it's something at least right now the performance was something because you know, that just boosts the values of, you know, Chris Godwin, of course, Mike Evans, and then Deshaun Jackson, hopefully he's healthy. Uh, that does wonders for those guys. It really does. And that's obvious, but... And then Peyton Barber as well. You, we can expect Peyton Barber to be better because of this. He didn't have a great game against the Eagles, but the Eagles are very good defensively. Or, I'm sorry, um, against the Saints. So... You know, is that just because Ryan Fitzpatrick was just too busy doing it all? I don't know. Maybe Peyton Barber isn't that great, or maybe that Saints run defense is good. It could have been a multitude of things. However, I think the fact that if there's a good quarterback playing, that is going to do nothing but do good things for the value of Peyton Barber. That being said, I'm not starting Fitzpatrick against the Eagles. I'm not picking him up in Daily Fantasy. I'm just enjoying that and enjoying the the surrounding pieces of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I'm not investing in Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
the next quarterback, let's talk about Derek Carr. So Derek Carr, I am absolutely worried. All right. I figured we'd give him an off season to, if he was injured, which there was, I thought that there was still some injury there, which is what led to some of his poor play last season, you know, that he would be able to get over that. He would have an off season to mesh with John Gruden, get some rapport with Cooper and Nelson. And, you know, I thought, you know, this, this offense is going to be good. You know, I was, you know, that let's, let's go. We got Gruden in here. It's going to revigorate. And then we got to Monday night against the Rams and Derek Carr checked down like, gosh, I don't know the percentage. Let's put it into perspective here. He targeted his wide receivers nine times. Nine times? Nine times. And if you are an Amari Cooper owner, such as myself, and he, you know, part of Derek Carr's woes, go into why I have Cooper in my wide receiver segment of this piece, and obviously you can tell where I'm going to stand on that. Um, it's wor- It's worrisome, for sure. The thing, the good thing that we can take out of this is that he was playing the Rams, and the Rams are just absolutely loaded. I mean, the the secondary is ridiculous. And Dominican Sue, Aaron Donald. I mean, I you you know you pay attention. You know that that team is loaded. So that's one thing I can take away is that okay, he only has to play them once this year. That's good. Here's some things that, you know, that worry me though. He checked down all the time and Gruden was not optimistic about that. He didn't say, you know, oh, Cooper needs to do this better. Jordy Nelson needs to do this better. He said, we need to do better getting them the ball. It's easier said than done because of pressure on the quarterback. And, you know, he just didn't, you know, he wasn't very, you know, supportive of Derek Carr and that, that kind of concerns me. And another, another reason that I'm concerned is because they signed Martavis Bryant the next day. Like they, they're like, you know what? This dude may be suspended. Fuck it. We need him now. We're worried. That's what I read into that. You don't just look at a Derek Carr performance and the the performance of the wideouts and see Jared Cook put up thirty points in PPR and say, oh, you know what? Yeah, we're we're good. No, nah, we need Martavis today, even though he might be suspended for the year. Man, that just does. I mean, that's a that's a situation that doesn't look good. But on the bright side, they played one of the best teams in football. So you have to wait and see. It should go without saying you don't drop Amari Cooper because of this. I've also got Jared Cook on this list as well. We'll talk about him next. I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Man. He made some throws that looked unreal. I mean, he threw 40 yards on a rope to Tyreek Hill moving to his right across his body, like, God, man, that, he looked good, and I really bought in, I'm, and I mean, everybody was, there were some people, you know, everybody was a little spectacle, a little bit, some skeptical, some, you know, yeah, I like, I, I liked what he had around him, and I was like, I, as, as we got closer and closer to Sunday, I was like, wow, wait, Mahomes might light this up, and he did light it up, However, let's acknowledge the fact that two of his touchdown passes were shuffle passes. Then they really should have just been a pitch. You know, that shouldn't have not have, you know, it's a shuffle pass. It is what it is. That really boosted his performance of the day. 
That being said, he's going to continue to be a very good quarterback. I don't think he's a set-it-and-forget-it guy. If the matchup isn't right, I might not start him. I'm going to be starting him against Pittsburgh because I don't want to pick up anybody else. And I still think that he can do a good job because I don't think Pittsburgh's defense is daunting, but it is on the road in Pittsburgh. That's going to be a huge test for Mahomes. It's not going to define his season and the outlook of it, but it's going to be a huge test for him. Some other things that I really like that I saw, they ran the RPO quite a bit, the run-pass option. They ran it a lot with Mahomes, and they're going to continue to run that, and that's going to continue to be a threat. The third thing that I saw out of this game that I that really made me say, okay, this, this is going to be fun, um, Travis Kelsey, one catch. Kareem Hunt, no catches. Sammy Watkins, quiet. Those are all weapons that he didn't even use, and he put up 28 points in fantasy with four touchdowns. I mean, just wait until they need to open up the offense. The Chiefs are going to be so fun to watch. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson. So, Deshaun Watson played against the New England Patriots, As we know, they are one of the best teams of football. However, Deshaun Watson lit them up last season. Deshaun Watson lit basically everybody up last season. So we, everybody was pretty high on Deshaun Watson, but all I kept hearing from the experts that I trust was, you better watch out with where you take this guy and, and the trust that you put into him. And this game kind of showed that for me. Let's ignore the fact that the Patriots are the best coach team in the world and that they did their best to take out his best option, which was Deshaun, or DeAndre Hopkins because Will Fuller was out of the game. So it just made it that much easier to game plan against him. If you watch the tape, though, and I watched um, a little bit of tape that uh, a guy that I really trust, an expert, Chris Harris, he had some tape on him. And before he could even mention it, I mean, there was some really bad throws. I mean, he missed some wide open guys. He had some really bad throws uh, and, and bad misses that he just didn't see. I mean, if you watch the tape, it's, it's bad. It really is. And he didn't run a lot. So I'm worried, you know, I'm worried that he's not going to be what everybody thought that he would be on the bright side. It was the new England Patriots. That's a great team. You know, we, let's, let's, let's just, you know, I'm going to pump the brakes on my, you know, pessimism. Let's see what happens. And I think he's going to run the ball more as he gets more comfortable playing on that, you know, newly healed knee. He will get comfortable. He will run the ball more. That's going to bode obviously well for his value. And he's going to get Will Fuller back, you know, and I don't think he's going to make some of these bad reads. I think he's a very smart quarterback. And I think that he's going to, there will be better days ahead of him, but he's not going to finish at retail value of where he was drafted. All right, let's talk about some running backs. Let's jump back to the Chiefs, Kareem Hunt. I'm not worried about Kareem Hunt. He had a terrible game, uh, stat box-wise. And, you know, some people may see that and look back at his lull in the middle of last season, you know, and, and, you know, express some concern. I'm not concerned. 
He is still the best running back in that offense. He was on the field a lot. He's essentially a bell cow with, you know, Spencer Ware just slight, being a slight change of pace back. You got to, you know, be a little worried that Andy Reid might just mix it up out of nowhere. I'm not. I am not. It's a concern. I'm not concerned about that. That offense is really, really good. It's great. And he's gonna catch and he's gonna catch some balls later in the season. I mean, it's gonna happen. Honestly, if you can look to buy Kareem Hunt if the price is right and you have a piece that, that owner needs, try to buy. Don't do it if it doesn't make sense. Next, let's talk about Kenyon Drake. Not worried about Kenyon Drake. He didn't have a great statistical game. Frank Gore is there, and that kind of worries people because Frank Gore had 9 for 61, but the, he broke off a, a long run that the whole the, he, he had no choice but to gain yardage. I mean, you know, Gore didn't do anything too impressive. Kenyon Drake is still incredibly talented. He's He does things Gore can't. So he had three receptions, so that's good. Especially in a game that was lightning and wind and rain. I mean, that was just a weird game. I think that's a game that all owners who are rational are not saying, oh, Jesus, like, why did I draft Kenyon Drake? I mean, you just wait. Wait till the game doesn't get delayed five times for three hours. And then the last running back, let's look at Devonta Freeman. I mean, man. Sarkeesian really is the best lockdown coordinator. There is no one that is better at Renzo defense than Sarkeesian is. I mean, god damn. It's just bad, man. He ran the same formation, like two plays in a row where there was just nobody spread out wide. He was just like, you know what? Put 11 guys in the box. Who gives it? Who, who, who cares? I'm playing Madden. This is goal line formation. Just absolute insanity out of that coordinator man and until he's gone julio jones touchdowns are gonna continue to not be where they should be he's gonna have more than three but they're not where they're not gonna be where they should be and Devonte freeman is gonna have a season just like last season where there were quite a few games where he put up eight points and it was like what the hell where is the guy from a few years ago who won leagues it's not that Devonte freeman isn't good he's very good he's very fast it's just Sarkeesian is just holding him back. And it doesn't help that Tevin Coleman, you know, takes touches away from him and he looks good every time he gets the ball. Devonta Freeman is still the guy. However, Tevin Coleman is still good. He's still a very good player. My point is, is that Devonta Freeman, unless Sarkeesian is gone, he is not going to perform at the value in which you picked him. He's just not. move on to the wide receivers Geronimo Allison I'm gonna throw out the pretender we're mixing it up a little bit I gave you all those cliches at the beginning that you see on ESPN and stuff I'm calling Geronimo Allison a pretender he hasn't had a history of production this would be his first year really producing at a high clip if he did excuse me and the way I look at it, Green Bay just has way too many weapons. They spread the ball around way too much for me to feel comfortable starting Geronimo Allison 
or in any in any format. Jimmy Graham only had two receptions for eight yards. He's going to get his. He will score some touchdowns. He's not going to give you any yardage greater than 50 probably, but he's going to get you some touchdowns. And Cobb is still there. And, you know, as we saw against the Bears, he had a huge, huge week. Not that I think Cobb is that much better than Geronimo, but he has the rapport with Rodgers. And then, of course, Devontae Adams is there, too. So, they're getting Aaron Jones back and after next week. I mean, man, do you really want Geronimo Allison? I mean, he's kind of a prime example of a boomer bust. Unless he just completely takes that next step, then, of course, I'll look like an idiot. But that's why I'm doing a podcast. I'm taking a stand. I'm planting my flag. I don't want stock in Geronimo Allison necessarily. I picked him up where he's available because I had guys that were droppable, sure, but I'm not expecting weekly production out of him. Marvin Jones, this is a guy that I am going to put in my worried category. This performance is something that we saw, and this is what it tells us. It tells us that between him and Kenny Galladay, they cannot coexist together. One cannot have a good game while the other one has a good game. It would be like a one, a one once a year type of thing where if they they can coexist, but they truly, I don't think they can. Tate has his own role because he is the shifty slot guy who plays his own style of game that they don't. That's why I like Tate the most, because he has the most guaranteed production. He's less volatile than Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay are. I was listening to a podcast, somebody said that they they described the relationship between MJJ and Kenny G as they just cannibalize on each other, their values. They just, one eats, one starves. There's nothing you can do if you have Marvin Jones. I mean, chances are he's one of your best receivers. You have to just hope that he booms at this point. Hopefully you don't own Amari Cooper along with Marvin Jones Jr. I own one stock in Amari Cooper in one of my leagues. (sighs) Man. I did my preseason wide receiver rankings I had Amari Cooper at 20 I had him below Golden Tate and I picked him before Golden Tate in this league where I own him I wanted to diversify my bonds a little bit you know what I'm saying and I picked Amari Cooper and dude this is the third year I've owned Amari Cooper I just can't shake this dude you fooled me once you can't get fooled again I, I got fooled again And I'm, but the thing is though, I'm worried more about Derek Carr than I am about Amari Cooper. Obviously, Derek Carr's performance will turn into good performances for Amari. You know, he's the one giving him the ball. I mean, Amari didn't drop any balls, thankfully. He played very heavily in the slot. He played forty percent of his snaps in the slot, which is double what he averaged last season. Based on what we saw against the Rams, is that really what's best for him? We don't know. 
The Rams are very good at football. That's what I'm taking out of that performance. I'm not completely jumping ship on Amari. I own him. I got you can't you can't drop him, and you, you sure as shit can't trade him. Nobody wants that. So it's you know let's just hope for the best. What is his best? I don't know. Next, <clears throat> let's talk about the tight ends. The first tight end I want to talk about: George Kittle for the Niners. Real deal, holy field, man. Absolutely the real deal. Whenever I did my quarterback tight end episode, that was a that was one of my favorite late round tight end picks. He was a free agent in a lot of leagues after week one, not anymore. Now, while you have to take his performance with the slightest grain of salt because Marquise Goodwin was not there, dude is clearly the next best option if Goodwin is not in, if not as good an option as Marquise Goodwin. Garcon is a little old. He's not going to have that ceiling value. He's not going to really give you the the boom that Goodwin and Kittle can give can give you fantasy wise. They have a new wide out there, uh, Pettis Dante Pettis, I believe is his name. He came on the scene, had a really nice touchdown grab. If Goodwin is out, I would not be surprised to see him lead that wide receiver core in yardage again. But I really, but I love Kittle value moving forward. You got to love having Shanahan as a coach leading that offense, having Jimmy G as a quarterback. And there's no McKinnon to eat up targets. I mean, it's Brita. Goodwin, Pettis now, Garcon, and then Kittle. I mean, I love Kittle's target share, the the potential target share for him and the volume he can get. Let's talk about another good performance from a tight end, Jared Cook. I'm calling him a pretender. Calling Jared Cook a pretender because he's done this to us before. In previous seasons, he started out, lit the world on fire, and afterwards never eclipsed eclipsed 50 yards, like one time after. I mean, looking at that game as well, I mean, that was just, that was check down city, man. That's all he did was just throw to Jalen Richard or he threw to Jared Cook, Derek Carr did. So, I don't think that the, nine receptions, 180 yards, like, come on, let's be realistic. Let's look at his 2017 game log. He had two games over 100 yards. He caught two touchdown passes. He caught over caught over five balls twice. I mean, he didn't have a very spectacular 2017. We look at his 2016. I'm just not... I just don't think you should expect Jared Cook to give you tight end one value, honestly. But the tight end landscape is so abysmal. It's like, well, I can't fault you. I mean, who the hell else are you going to start? 
Disley. Yeah, I'm. That's my next guy. Buy buy Disley, man. Here's what I like. Ed Dixon's out for like half of the season, I believe. I don't know if you guys knew. That's the next man up in that tight end spot, which is pretty interesting to look at once Ed Dixon comes back. Unless Disley keeps playing out of his mind. And the fact that Baldwin is out, I mean, those targets are vacated. They got to go somewhere. And it's Lockett, it's Brandon Marshall, Disley. I mean, if Russell Wilson is the quarterback, you got to want to, you got to want a piece of that target share from Russell Wilson. You have to. So I think put take take some stock in Disley. Let let next week happen. You know, see what happens with the tight end that you have on your roster. If you set him on your bench, you can do a couple things. If he has another great week, you can keep him. You can play him if you want to. If you're playing matchups with your tight ends. Or you can sell him high to somebody who really needs a tight end. I would not be surprised if he if Disley had another great game. So next, I want to touch on Daily Fantasy. I'm a big Daily Fantasy guy. I have made some good money playing Daily Fantasy in the past. Some very good money in the past. And if you play it enough, you can tell when you look at matchups and you look at values of guys, you can tell weeks where you think you're going to be successful and weeks where, you know, it's kind of hard to call. I know everybody here is familiar with daily fantasy, but if you're not, you get a salary and there is salaries tied to players at each position. And you have to complete and fill out a lineup without, you know, underneath the salary cap. And then you go against others. You can do things where you can do 50-50s, where it's a group of 100 people. If you finish in the top 50%, you win um, a little less than double your money. You can do big prize pools, where I've won a lot of money before, but I don't recommend playing that way, where they take the top 5% and they dish out prizes that way. There's different strategies of building a lineup depending on which way you play, and here's why. If you do the prize pool where it's the top 5%, you don't want to go super chalky, right? You don't want to take the super obvious play, necessarily. If you do take a super obvious play, you need to mix it up in a way where you don't think everybody else is going to have that play. That's why I don't love playing this style of buy-in and prize because there is so much luck involved that if you... Your team has to, everybody has to hit, and you need to be able to survive without having that crazy lucky player where somebody, of course, has because you're playing with millions of people. For example, you play that style of game last week, I guarantee you, you're losing to a Ryan Fitzpatrick Deshaun Jackson stack. And that's got to piss you off. Or a Drew Brees, Ted Ginn stack. And I mean, Drew Brees isn't quite as ridiculous of a play, but, you know, there's something in there that you just could not account for. If you do with 100 people, you're less likely to have those crazy, random, lucky plays like that, and they don't hurt you quite as much. 
and you have a 50% chance of winning. I mean, obviously your odds are better. I don't have to get into much detail about that, but when you construct a lineup, you have to think a little bit differently. With that being said, when I look at lineups like that, I go into DraftKings, here's how you draft. You take a quarterback, two running backs, three wide receivers, a tight end, a defense, and a flex. When I do this, my strategy is to go through each position before I even pick a guy, before I even know I want a guy because I know his value is going to be where I want it to be, I look at this the salaries of each player for each position. And that gives me an idea of how I want to play this. So, for example, I look through the quarterback position. Here are some guys that I saw that I really liked. I really liked Kirk Cousins. He's at 6.4K. And I should let you know, when you build this lineup, it tells you the average salary you have left for each spot. The average salary for each spot is 5.5. So Kirk Cousins. I like him at 6.4K. Andrew Luck is available at 6.2. Alex Smith is available for 6. Terod Taylor is available for 5.9. I like Case Keenum available at 5.8. And my dark horse, who I really like, Sam Darnold at 5.1. That is super cheap. That's the cheapest quarterback on the board. He's at home against the Dolphins. So immediately I'm thinking kind of crazy. I'm thinking... Yeah, I kind of want that Sam Darnold because that opens the door for me to elevate my lineup much higher than if I took somebody more expensive than him. And then I have to make sacrifices other in, in other places. There's a couple reasons why I'm looking at Sam Darnold there. So I didn't name you any studs. So to, in, to put it in perspective, okay, I liked Kirk Cousins at 6.4. The next on my lineup, I liked Luck at 6.2, right? Jared Goff is worth 6.3 thousand. Just to put it into perspective, I don't want to own him. I don't think anybody's going to really own him because he's more expensive than these other guys that can give you just as good plays. Who I see being an extremely popular play this week is Terod Taylor. He, A, had a very good week against the Steelers. B, the Saints just gave up a ton of points to Ryan Fitzpatrick. So you can see the opponent ranking. It's bright and green. It says they're the 32nd ranked defense. Everybody's going to like that value pick. So I'm staying away from Terod Taylor because I think everybody's going to have him. So for running backs. The values that I really like here... James Conner is at 6.7K. He's going to be a very popular ad, but I do like him, and I still would consider taking him. Carlos Hyde is available for 4.9K against the Saints. Matt Breida is available for 4.8K. And anything below 5.5 is increases the average that you can spend on somebody else. So that's how I like to look at this, too. I like to go, 
all right, some guys that, okay, these are good plays, and they're a little bit higher than 5.5, and then I go, who's below 5.5? I hope this is all making sense. If you don't play Daily Fantasy, it's probably a little bit harder to follow. I'll try to explain my my thought process a little bit clearer to you. Um, Tariq Cohen is also available at 4.8. He's the same as Matt Breida. Philip Lindsay, freshly new to the scene for Denver, he's at 4.4. And I like Devontae uh, Royce Freeman as well at 4.3. I like both of those plays this week against the Oakland Raiders at Denver. And then I originally had Naheem Hines on this list at 4.1K. That's risky for, for if he was in like 3.7, I would probably like Naheem Hines here. I don't like him quite as much because Marlon Mack has been practicing. He's going to be playing. That's just too many mouths to feed. Naheem Hines has his own carved out role. I want to see if he continues to get the volume that he got last week, even with Marlon Mack back. But that floor is just potentially way too low for me to want to take him. So I'm actually scratching Naheem Hines off that list right now. But that's somebody that I really want to watch. And let's talk about, so Todd Gurley is available at 9.2. Okay, obviously that's great value against the the Cardinals. They're favored by two touchdowns. Gurley should have a day. But let's talk about Alan Kamara, who's even more expensive at 9.5K. That is the most expensive player on the board this week, and I want him. When Alvin Kamara and the, uh, <laughs> the New Orleans Saints are favored in a matchup, Kamara averages 22 points per game in PPR. Last week, the Saints were favored. They lost, but Alvin Kamara put up... <sighs> A measly 40 points, 40-something points. I mean, (laughs) whatever. So knowing that stat, knowing they're at home, yeah, the Browns are better, but it's the Browns. That makes me say I need to make a spot for Alvin Kamara. And I think I can do it and make my team still good. So immediately I'm thinking I need to center my lineup around Alvin Kamara. Wideouts. The wideouts I really like. Uh, there's a ton of wideouts here. I really should have limited this to a smaller amount. I really like Stefan Diggs. He's under 7,000 at 6.9K against the Packers. I really, really like Emmanuel Sanders at 6.2K. He's playing the Oakland Raiders at Denver. And I really like Demaryius Thomas in that matchup as well. He's at 5.6K. Immediately when I see that, I say, okay, I like Emmanuel Sanders and I like Demaryius Thomas. Demaryius Thomas is $600 less than Emmanuel Sanders. I'm immediately picking uh, Demaryius Thomas there. I think he has an insanely valuable floor this week. Case Keenum looked good. They have no pass rush in Oakland. I think Case Keenum's going to be able to get those guys the ball and, and produce a good game out of them. A guy that you might be surprised I really like is Mike Wallace this week. Philadelphia is playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Nick Foles is not Drew Brees. However, Nick Foles took some shots to Mike Wallace in the game against the Falcons. He didn't get any catches, but Mike Wallace is still good, and he still has potential for boom. And at 3.9, 
thousand, that really opens up the door for you to get more floor in your lineup, more guaranteed points. So that's something I'm considering. Another player that I'm really highly considering is Mike Williams of the Chargers as well. He's playing Buffalo this week. He's three point seven thousand. That is one of the cheap. He, that's the cheapest I would go on any player because they get obviously really poor, really poor performance down that low. Travis Benjamin was seen in a walking boot this week. Travis Benjamin dropped a lot of balls last week. So did Tyrell Williams. So despite the fact that Mike Williams played the least amount of snaps in that Chargers game, I still really like that the performance that he put out there, and that's someone that I would consider taking at 3.7. And I really like Juju Smith-Schuster. He's at 6.4K. And I wanted to do my best to get Antonio Brown on my team and Alvin Kamara, but that just put my team looking awful. And I couldn't do it. The tight ends I really like. Jordan Reed is available for 5,000. Evan Ingram is 4.6. Doyle is 4K. Kittle, 3.8K. Disley, 3.3K. I like Kittle here. I don't like Disley quite as much because the Bears are the ones that the Seahawks are facing. And that pass rush is going to just be unreal and I'm scared for Russell Wilson's life so I was just talking up Kittle I really like Kittle he's probably going to be a very popular play I like Kittle or Doyle the best this week I'm going to take Kittle and then defensively the defenses are very cheap the Rams versus the Cardinals at 3.7k they're at Los Angeles that seems like you know if you're really nervous about taking a chance on defense you can't go wrong there cannot go wrong there I'm looking at uh, the pool in DraftKings where you can take Thursday night games, and I really like Cincinnati against Baltimore here. Cincinnati is worth 2.7K. That frees up a lot of cap space for your other positions. It's a Thursday night game, traditionally really bad games, really poor scoring. And it's the Baltimore Ravens who just lit up the Buffalo Bills. So, you know, yeah, that offense isn't as bad as what I'm probably thinking, but I'm going to, in this in this lineup that I'm curating, I'm going to take Cincinnati here. So I say to myself, I know I want Kittle at my tight end. So I put Kittle at tight end first when I fill out this lineup, 3.8. Then I take the Bengals. I know I want the Bengals. So I put them in my defense at 2.7. What I do is I take the guys that I know for a fact that I want that are going to increase my average for remaining player. There's nine positions. So, after that, I say, what can my lineup look like if I have Sam Darnold at quarterback? I know that seems crazy, right? The Jets, Sam Darnold, you know. But he has, but he looked good, man. And all the experts that I'm seeing that have looked at his game film, they think that he's good, and I don't think that he's going to break your team if you have him. So I'm absolutely adding him. At home against the Dolphins, yeah, let's roll, Sam. With this lineup, I was really wanted to take Quincy Anunua. I was really, really tempted to take him. I didn't put him in this lineup because uh, Jermaine Curse is back next week. And when I see that, that makes me, you know, I question the fact that there are so many mouths to feed there. And Jermaine Curse is good. He had good games last season. That is just more chunks taken out of that target share. I'm not going to touch the the Jets receiving core this week. So I put Sam Darnold in there. 
Sometimes I'll go to my flex next. And I'll look at how cheap I can go flex. But what I did was I knew I wanted Kamara, so I put Kamara in that running back spot at 9-5. And I knew I wanted Demarius Thomas, so I put him in there at 5-6. I looked at the running backs that I could get below 5.5, because that's that average salary whenever you first start out. And I really liked who I saw, and that was Carlos Hyde at 4.9K. He's the best running back in that backfield. I think Cleveland is going to give New Orleans a good game. I think Carlos High is going to pay off. After that, I went to my flex. I looked for another cheap flex that I could get. And I knew that I saw Matt Breida at 4.8, so I added Matt Breida. He's playing the Lions in San Francisco. I like him the best in that backfield. Give me Matt Breida. So I have two Niners in my lineup right now. Now i got to fill out my wide receiver spot, and I have a lot of money left. So I took Demarius Thomas, Stefan Diggs, and Juju Smith-Schuster. And I have $300 remaining, and I like this team. If anything, I would maybe swap out the defense, but I don't see anyone that I would want outside of New England. So I'm going to keep Cincinnati in there. Otherwise, it wouldn't really make sense to play a Thursday night contest, but I'm going to play one. So my team is Sam Darnold, Carlos Hyde, Kamara, Diggs, Juju, Demaris Thomas, George Kittle, Matt Breida, Bengals defense. I like that team. If I wasn't comfortable taking Sam Darnold, I would put in a different quarterback such as Andrew Luck. Swap out the Bengals defense, take the Rams defense, and maybe try to get a better flex option. All right, guys. I'm going to wrap this this one up. This is uh, getting a little longer than I had hoped. I'm trying to keep these a little bit shorter, but I had a lot to talk about. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that Daily Fantasy segment. If you have any questions about your Daily Fantasy lineup, send those to me. Again, I play DraftKings. I also do the other one, but like I said, man, we're trying to get the money. So DraftKings, play DraftKings. Let me know if you have any questions. Uh, if, if you listen, thank you. I appreciate everybody who tunes in and asks me questions. That really means a lot to me. Hopefully you enjoy this stuff. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. I'm here to tell the world I'm from Ramona Park. Diving in the deep water like I know the sharks. Climbing in the king daughter, I deserve a crown. They wasn't fucking with your boy, but they heard me now. Me and white boy Matt came to take him back. Way back, back when people used to learn from rap. I'm here to show you motherfuckers what I learned from Pac Slim. Couple rounds in a clip down for burning that. Beats, I murdered that. Beef, I murdered that. He heard the shooter yelling nerd before we heard the Mac. And even if that nigga didn't, bet he know it's thin black with a little bit of brown like a Doberman. That one 911 hold 11. Go and call 911s, he just sent a soul to heaven. Bitches say the shows is heaven sitting in the front row. Turn a couple poly high games to the gun show. Turn a couple rules and high games to the track meet. You be in the rap beef, cause you ain't never had beef. Joey, that's my brother, so I'm part of all the fats beef. Ain't you no know my strap, keep talking, that's my black bitch. Stereo hype, hope when I die that I'm buried like my guys on that prize. They ain't leaving my sight. If you want that fire, then he leave a two night, two show. Two claps when I see my yanks. Two straps been moved that cross the interstate. Arizona homies call me Flagstaff, Shorty Chrome, Caltech 9 in the big black 40. We be shooting up the parties like we got no sense. Ride around the city tripping, we ain't got no sense. Hood been my home, I ain't got no rent. We
We be chillin' on the pop like we livin' on the pop. Never slippin', I ain't tryna see the prison like my pops. Never givin' you a pass if I consider you a op. Don't consider you a threat if you ain't sendin' niggas shots. Got some killers with me down to put a nigga in the dirt. Like the candles on the curb, send a message to the cops. Snitch niggas in the feds, send a letter to the cops. So I never trust a soul when they ask, never speak. My Beretta Sky King, stronger black as she can be. Team trying to gang green like that old Max B. Old French Montana macaroni with the cheese. Young Joe Montana throwing bullets through your defense. They need vengeance. You should put them on your team. If I die in the streets, they consider me a martyr. In the meat goes five deep in the charger. Down to shoot though, cause I got that jumper. Been on that block. This my 19th summer. Mama playing Stevie Wonder in the kitchen while she cooking pigs. Knocking at the door to take my dad to Central Booking. Reading books up in my room cause she won't let me go and play. Scared of Yankee son of running around and gon' pick up a cake. Fuck that shit you represent, I'm here to get these presidents Wouldn't be the only kid to come up where the peasants live Pray to God I never did this shit that both my parents did History repeat itself, it's up to me to change it Watch me burn a book of life and write the pages in my favor On some King James shit, call me Mr. on some Rosewood Ving and rain shit, keep a pistol in the gap fleet so we ain't quick, leave a nigga on the back street Same old shit, you heard stuck in my ways Know the show don't stop, I can do it for days If you disrespect my family, we all gon' fight Swinging like T-Woods, trying to earn my stripes yeah that uppercut a fuck him up so say good night